So I had actually, um, I think today was, I'm going to just define it as, um, it might actually be the best definition for today was magical. Uh, and, 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 and it involved family. And, and, and it's, you it might be surprising, but a family that really cares for each other. But, but interesting, don't get together at all too often. And this, is li this was literally today in my backyard, uh, in my small uh, little Darlington section of Pawtucket, Rhode Island, USA World uh, patch, which is not a big patch at all, but certainly an ample enough backyard uh, going on there um, to have a gathering of 16 or so people. I made the mistake of inviting neighbors. Uh, we had to rein that in a little bit. Luckily, I rang on Mike's door, Mike Davin, and there was no answer. Um, I think I even knocked. I went back to knock. Yep, I went back to rap on his on his door. Uh, sometimes that works better. Uh, and um, I, I think his bell rang. His bell did ring uh, when I went there the first time. But in any event, um, it was to really tell him I couldn't even almost, in fact, I wanted, I was gonna come out and just be blunt with him, Frank, um, that uh, this is, uh, that, that, that Mike, sorry, I, you know, um, it, it, I, I have to uninvite you. You know, that really is kind of the way to do it. You may as well really just do it up front and then you can kind of like play it out make it a little less intense. Um, and I was hoping for Pierre's backup on this because he was a couple houses down in my driveway. Uh, they were taking things out for my, I'll, I'll tell you about my backyard of picnic, uh, Labor Day, uh, on uh, Sunday, uh, pre-Labor Day, um, uh, sun, uh, and Labor Day, be, of course, being the Monday afterwards. We did it today on Sunday. And just, I'm gonna say magical because number one, First of all, let me explain. With all the climate change and pronouncements and you know everything, the whole the whole movements and all, oh, God bless them all. Really, uh, these environmentalists, the EPA, really. Um, I think probably I'm going to go as far as to say their biggest achievement outside of cleaning up the air in general. But it's interesting to say. And it was happened in the, I'm going to say around the early 70s. Claude will have probably a better idea. And that was getting rid of leaded gasoline. I think it actually had, I think it actually had a, a certain really more pleasing smell to it. I remember my dad, one of my earliest memories, I was five on my bike or on my trike or whatever. Uh, him pulling out with his great big ambassador 1964 really good year for AMC um, and it was an ambassador wagon and sort of um, they call the color um, I'll get back to you on that because I don't want to jam this up but he'd pull out in this uh, off-white cream looking uh, station wagon no panels no panels we got that later on the wood paneling the ubiquitous wood paneling uh, he'd pull out of the garage, interestingly enough, and I'd be in the, I, I know, I have a, a memory of this, it happened, certainly. Uh, yeah, and 
and I'm in, I'm not too far from the car. My dad's just going out to, to work and he backs up and he's got, uh, he's got, it's the car uh, came out with, it's a gas fume I'm sure you're familiar with. And I kind of do smell that today when I, you know, if I pump gas myself or whatever. Um, and it's, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting. It's got a little bit of that, but it's not quite there. It, it was not intoxicating. Uh, it's hard to really describe. Uh, it's a really sort of a short, fumey kind of thing that's actually not unpleasant. You know, it's really actually not unpleasant. I can't really describe it more than being, um, you know, it's it was it was gas it was gassy gassy it was gassy uh, it was um, but it was just for not a long time like a whiff and it just was that kind of a magical moment speaking of magical days magical moment in a day uh, that it it seemed to really have an impression on me and that might have been my first thing to say wow cars are cool you know of course you form we all know we're formulating everything it's our formative years. Uh, I don't know where it really cuts off. I think we keep learning, certainly. I like to keep knowing about stuff. Uh, I'm not a, a, a information hound, but I like to get it when I have it available. I get the New York Times uh, feed, uh, email feed every morning reliably. Uh, and um, if I get up a little early, it doesn't appear up there, but I know it's going to come up. And that's my go-to. That's sort of my foundational, informational aspect. I trust the New York Times. It's left-leaning. We all know it's infamously left-leaning. Um, I'm a centrist or moderate. Uh, centrist is kind of cool. You know, the whole uh, Bill Clinton deal. Uh, he was a great centrist. He might have been one of our great centrist presidents, I actually think, in the modern time, or maybe even of all presidents. He's, he was a classic, a class, I don't know how much more classic you can be uh, with that, but that, that was Bill Clinton. Uh, he worked, it was all about working the aisles, and it's really a great collaboration. It's a collaboration. It's like Lennon and McCartney in political form. It's politics working. Um, Biden is a centrist. He, he grew up, he went as a centrist. He, always a centrist. Gerald Ford, I think, was a little less successfully. Just his his character, his, um, his I guess, demeanor. Um, I liked him. Um, I almost felt sorry for him when he fell a lot. He was poke fun, SNL, of course. Uh, Saturday Night Live, we called it. We didn't call it SNL back then, folks. It, it, it wasn't called SNL, sorry to say. It was the harder way to do it. Took more airtime, I guess. Now, we all like letters. I like letters. I don't have that in my name on my podcast. Talk me some art and other stories, by the way. So today is magical. The weather, first of all, what God has given us in the last several, actually, I can almost say several days now, four or five um, uh, I think it was Jason at the cookout, uh, my, my lovely, uh, lovely, um, niece, uh, Pierre and Janet's, uh, she's just a, a beautiful young lady, 
Teresa, uh, her her better, her I should say her sig, sig other. Um, yeah, they should shorten it to sig other. Um, mentioned some good facts, and he's a smart guy, and he worked the grill today. He worked the Weber, courtesy of Pierre and Janet, um, slopping that over. Uh, but very confidently in their Equinox, Chevrolet Equinox, um, late, you know, brand new, actually beautiful slate gray RS package. I don't want to start doing ads, um, but it's all part of the whole thing. I mean, we came out and put a lot of stuff back in Pierre and Janet's car after uh, the cookout. Uh, I guess we could, yeah, it's a cookout that I had in my backyard. And, um, and under a tree, everybody was sit, it was like we were so strategically placed under a tree. Uh, to keep shade and comfortable. Uh, it was just a pleasant day. Uh, the sky, I made a note, azure blue, really. Um, and I have cataracts. So I'm hoping when my cataracts are removed uh, in November 23rd, I can definitely wait because we're already, really, we're already gonna be talking about October. Uh, the Halloween candy's already out at the supermarkets, you know, and the end cap, you know, our market basket here. They're really early. They got the decorations off for Halloween. Uh, it's the next major holiday coming up after Labor Day. Uh, and it's a really kind of cool, I love Halloween. Uh, my dad played it up gloriously uh, by just the simple idea of uh, ribbon, crepe ribbon, uh, going across, uh, almost haphazardly across the room and making a, uh, uh, not a bunting, but sort of creating real halloween -y. It really made the house look a little more sinister. It was really cool transformation. Uh, and actually, I'm kind of just noting that now, just talking this out. And it's not even really talking anything out. I loved, I can't believe the memories that I've noticed in the last several, few years of my life. It seems like I've had more vivid, and I know they were all correct. Uh, I've got some of the earliest memories that you guys will say to yourself, uh, maybe not, but maybe a lot of you will say, no, 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 not, not at, not at, not at, let's say eight months, still dependent. You know, it's an interesting, it's, it's childhood phases are interesting. You know, it's that eight month, you know, eight month, you know, a toddler is really like a year and a half at least. Wouldn't you say after about a year and a half old, you could almost call him a toddler? Well, in proper society, I, I, I stand by that one. Uh, so the phases of childhood, very interesting. And I think that eight month period, right, is really kind of where maybe, hey, you know, you might have some credence in your claim that you remember things back then, certainly. And no one's gonna argue with you on that. They can't. Who can get in your mind, right? Uh, this is like an adventure land in memories. And thank God most of my memories I don't dwell on any negative, but there's not a lot of negatives to even worry about with my upbringing. From two wonderful parents, uh, countless podcasts, I, I relate things and, and include my dad and my mom in references because they're important. 
Uh, they might have been the most important people. Well, they were the most important people. Oh, totally. In my life, even later, my mom and my dad, yeah, they stood for something. And it was clear. Even when I was, interestingly enough, high school, we were the first year to win, yep, uh, the over at Tolman High, St. Raphael. Uh, little struggling, not struggling, but up till then, uh, no win for 14 years, yep, uh, against Tolman. So Tolman went away with the trophy uh, in, for 14 years straight. And our, our graduating class of 78, uh, uh, was 1978, 1978, um, and we won. I don't know what the score was. No one probably really cared. Uh, I think it was a pretty good game. We won. That's all that mattered. And anyway, we were part of a group. I was part of a group, not ashamedly, uh, but I was a pot smoker, and I liked to have kind of a fast buzz uh, with alcohol. I experimented with alcohol, but not extensively. And it never really became a problem with me. People, friends all around me had issues with alcohol later on. I never, never, I was more pot. And I think I'm glad I went with that decision. Thank God, because um, I would not want to have alcohol issues. I did have a flare up, but I'll tell you more about that with bourbon. And that was much later. Um, not too long ago, actually. And I'm much, um, I was actually commenting to some of the people at the thing today. Uh, we were 16 of us about. And um, I was actually commenting about that. But sometimes you don't want to really dwell. I was actually trying to host it. I wasn't really hosting. I was having a great time. I was just, everybody, you know, it was just like a regular. But it was really a special, wonderful time because we have not gotten together um, this is our, this was a, ended up on Memorial Day, uh, ended up on Labor Day, um, just, be, just because it did, because it really, uh, maybe through my not being quite ready to, because of my procrastination, oh, definitely, I'll, I'll confess to that easily. Um, I got no problem with saying that, because I could have been on top of things more. But it all worked out. I really like, literally in the 11th hour, uh, got things together, but thanks to family that helped me along the way uh, just getting practical logistical things done which was you know I'd say a little bit of an undertaking certainly the biggest management management undertaking my job get the place ready had cleaning women come in um, I was serious about it uh, Gloria and Judy awesome and they did a great job professional fast couldn't believe how fast it's amazing, actually. I'm in a small bungalow, but it still needed a lot of attention. I wasn't, I'm not a slob, but there were dust bunnies and crumbs under my couch. My bed, you know, you forget about the bed, but you got dead skin. Uh, you know, you got, you got the cat hairs, of course, because the cat, both cats do go in there. Um, and they, so there's accumulation over time, over time. Um, but yeah, you know, all, the, all that kind of stuff. Um, my bed is, is totally, I keep it clean. Um, I mean, it's pretty good. So I mean, I, I don't really worry about that. But the 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 um, the, the settling dust and, and all of that, all that nasty kind of stuff, uh, I don't really pay much attention to it. Um, yeah, I could go actually into an interesting 
uh, subtangent of that. But um, I'm not going to go there. Suffice it to say, uh, the day was the day was simply azure sky, uh, glorious, spectacular. I thought that's a great word, spectacular, um, fabulous. You know, eh, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Uh, but it's it does kind of work, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. I'll give fabulous. Uh, I'll give I'll, I'll give some fabulous some credence. My girl is out flat against the window, but she's looking back at her. But she's against the silhouette with my uh, nice kind of mountain laurel, uh, not in bloom right now. This late late in the summer, and she uh, she is really she's really like part of the whole thing. But what the cats did. And what they're really good at doing, as you know, if you're a cat owner or a dog owner, even during fireworks, right? You don't see them. Uh, my cat stealthily. Let me repeat that. And it's no surprise to you, cat owners. Stealthily, make themselves invisible, scarce, gone from the immediate premise, which is now people coming in through the house. Um, actually, I wanted to show some, show some folks Claude's girl, Claude's girlfriend. Really, she's a great friend. Uh, is Alexandra? It was she's a really lovely lady, and she bring took pictures of us. You know, uh, she wanted a picture of the three brothers. My brother Paul unfortunately couldn't make it um, today, but uh, we did miss him. Uh, we talked about him, um, but uh, in any event, it was really. It was all of us just um, really kind of chilling. Really, we just really relaxed. Everybody relaxed. It was nice conversations. Uh, I like it when one person speaks and everybody's listening. You know, I said we were about 16 people. I didn't count. I wasn't really into counting. I didn't want to factualize everything so much. In fact, I didn't really want this to be too perfect. I was going to clean my. This is sounds silly, probably. Uh, I was gonna uh, do a top job on. I got some top job left, and it works pretty good, but it's sticky. You gotta really. I found that out with my bathroom. It's not good for ceramic floors unless you really use it as directed. Instead of lazy like I was uh, one day recently, I poured that down and then didn't, and then rinsed it with the sink. It was actually more hard, harder work for me to keep wringing the, the the sponge mop that was perfectly you. Perfectly good for the job, up to task certainly, but I totally—it was a real, real foamy, soapy. It's so concentrated. Watch out with that top job or Mr. Clean. Uh, I had the ball guy, and it's powerful shit. It goes a long way. You really don't need much at all of it at all. Uh, you could get away. I'm going to say literally, you could pour a bucket full. And literally, and this is probably what the directions say, because uh, it's based on it being an economical uh, staple product. You know, it would have been something that that even the in the Western days of the Old West, which I love that era, um, and uh, I like it through popular culture interpretations of it, and I I try to extrapolate, and I kind of try to make the drama. Uh, I want to watch this half-hour show, uh, and it's a half-hour western. Uh, any given name of a half-hour western uh, that's concise, and yeah, I like a Bat Masterson. 
you know, with the great Gene. Uh, well, no, he was just a great actor. Was, I mean, yeah, not, I guess I could say the great Gene Barry. You know, uh, yeah, Gene Barry. And what's he going to always be known for? Question, kids. All right, clock is up. And the answer is he's always going to be known for. I'll give you one more guess. I'm just going to have fun with you. Gene Barry, just think of um, 1950s sci-fi. Ding, 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 ding. Someone in Pittsburgh got this. I picked, I wanted to pick a more interesting, you know, kind of town, but I picked Pittsburgh. But someone in Pittsburgh got this. And Gene Barry, the great Gene Barry, really, a great actor, really good, really good in this, in this really concisely done, well-produced, uh, we get it kind of foggy. It's, we don't get a good print. It's got an old look to it. Um, but maybe that's part of the whole mystique of the show. But it's not as uh, black and white vivid as some other shows that might have been shot. It was shot, but it's it actually, and maybe people, people that will notice this stuff, uh, like I do, um, and it's probably that show and the other show with Richard Boone, um, and that's Paladin. Um, they run on TV, um, and I watch it on TV occasionally. I've tapered down on my westerns, um, but westerns to me, I bore Claude with it. Um, okay, guy, enough with the westerns. He's been cool lately, though, because I told him I'm watching much less TV. So I don't even watch Gunsmoke at one, really. I did watch it recently maybe about already two weeks ago, but it used to be one o'clock, Gunsmoke. And I love that show, and I still do. Um, I like Matt Dillon, of course. And I like Festus. I actually like Festus. Ken Curtis is the actor. Uh, he's also a musician, I found out. Um, a singer, he sang. He's a good, like a, like a minstrel singer, I guess you could call him, certainly. Oh, that would have been apropos for that era. But anyway, he uh, he did that kind of deal, and he acted, um, and he was a good actor, and he played Festus. But interestingly enough, uh, a, another actor before him uh, played Chester, uh, and that was the black and white. Uh, and then it stayed black and white with the new replacement, Ken Curtis, uh, as Festus, a totally different character. Um, and, uh, but it was actually kind of interesting. Uh, it was Dennis Weaver, the actor. Uh, he, he, in the first, I don't know how many few, maybe few segments, no, several. There's a good wealth of, um, of uh, seasons that include Dennis Weaver. And then a sharp change uh, with uh, Festus, black and white still. That's important. The color, it changed it to from half an hour to an hour. If we're going to shoot an expensive Technicolor or, uh, you know, a network color, a proprietary kind of deal, I would imagine at that point, but maybe not. Uh, almost a universal color, but really marketed brilliantly. Of course, we think of the NBC Peacock, 
Um, it's probably one of the most significant logos of our era uh, from a societal, cultural aspect, if you think about it. Uh, the, the weight of the CBSI and the Bell Telephone. Remember Bell Telephone? Sure. You know, I'm born in the 1960, uh, right on the button there, 1960, pretty kind of like it did really turn things around by 1960. What was 1960? Well, we know, we, we know famously or infamous, no, famously. I'm gonna put a total positive because I love the idea. So liberating and you know what that's all about. That's the flower, that's the flower year, the year, what do they call that, flower power? Um, no, it's called um, summer, oh wow. I, I can't believe it because I know what that is. The Summer of Love, uh, seminal, 1967 will go down in history as a seminal moment. Uh, free love, free sex, free everything, free uh, freedom, uh, fuck the government, uh, facts, truth, truth is everything. Uh, the deadheads were all about just the idea of truth. And I think they were on the right idea. All good vibes come from that. Not just the dead, but you know, the Rolling Stones at Adamant, that was bad vibes. That was just an awful show to start with. The stage was way too low. They, 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 what they do today is they make it like a skyscraper, right? They're way up there, but they got those big vertical screens now, you know, in 2023. Uh, it's, all, it's, it's September 4th. Third, 2nd, September 2nd, I believe, of 2023. Big vertical screens now, which makes total sense. You can zoom in on the soloist. You get the guitar, you get a, it's a little tricky with the guitar, but it's a portrait format. Very classical, I like it. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, my nephew went recently to Gillette Stadium. I believe it was outdoor Gillette Stadium, yeah. And in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Uh, and it's part of Boston Providence is included. Boston Providence, just think Boston Providence football uh, viewers, uh, certainly. Um, the Patriots spend time in Providence at hotels on, on stayovers or whatever uh, during, their, during their season, certainly. You'd be no surprise to see any of the Patriots players. I wish I knew their names, a lot of them. Uh, Mac Jones, you might see Mac Jones walking down uh, down by the Western Hotel in Providence, a perfectly fine hotel, which Providence has really, for a city its size, a medium-sized city of 190,000 right now in the, in the latest census. Uh, it's growing in population, which is awesome to see. Pawtucket, I could go off on a tangent right now about the growth and excitement. There's sort of a vitality going on in my town of Pawtucket a city uh, unabashedly at 72,000 has got some critical mass to it, especially in its nine square mile, Claude would know probably exactly what it is, but it's about nine square miles of land, available land for development. There's no more, there's really not a lot of place to build and it's nice seeing little things happen here and there. Uh, some big plazas, but that's really not till you get out till uh, Cumberland Farms just built another big gas store combination. Uh, you guys know what the deal is in your part of the country. Ours is called Cumberland Farms. It's based in Rhode Island, but they're New England-wide at least, uh, maybe beyond. Uh, I should check out their website, but I'm probably not going to. 
Uh, it's a really nice store. They got some nice sandwiches on white bread if you're if you're in a white bread mode. By the way, white bread's fine. In if you don't if you have it like one, it's actually kind of satisfying, right? It's actually kind of correct, right? Uh, wheat bread, it to me, it's almost a turnoff. Interestingly enough, I'm not even wheat toast. I'm actually if I'm going to have bread, which I don't even eat, which I don't even eat. Not because I hate it, because I love bread. I love those restaurant rolls, right? That 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 perfect. Where do they get the recipe? Recipe uh, uh, biscuit or 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 roll, dinner roll. The, the think of the idea of the dinner roll. It's really kind of cool. It's a it's a ray. It's really kind of an enticement, isn't it?、Um, how many people? How many times has this happened to you? You sit in a restaurant, and you say to yourself. What the fuck am I doing here? This place doesn't impress me at all. Then this countryfied place with the greasy maple cannonball, out of date style that was out of date in 1999, comes out with these dinner rolls, and they call them something, and they've been making them, of course, since 1864. And you're probably eating on the same slimy table that hasn't been even cleaned up since then. Maybe brief little cleanups here and there when it got too greasy. Now I'm going to be like Jack Benny. No, no, I'm just kidding. I love that guy. But certainly, you're not expecting the best dinner rolls. But then you do. Are you a tourist? Maybe not. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh yeah. Classically. Yeah. <laughs> I think of our Cape Cod trip, our epic Cape Cod Holiday Inn. What a great chain they were back then. Holiday Inn,、uh, circa. Give me time to think here. I'm going to say circa '66 or '67. Oh boy, I could go on a story on this one. Oh, should I? Oh man, should I go there? No, I got to get back to our event. But I might go back to that our vacation. Uh, my dad just packed us in the car. He got five dollars worth of gas at the Esso station right next to our house, over the railroad tracks, directly over the railroad tracks,、uh, connecting Boston to Providence with freight and passenger, lively back then, and getting gas to fill up in the tank for five dollars. Okay, so there you go, there you go, and that was enough to take us to Cape Cod, at least get us there. My dad had.、Um, You know, I think it was the unbelievably paltry sum of a hundred dollars, and we must have gotten those hotel rooms. They probably were nineteen twenty-nine. They might have mocked them like that with the nine back then. I can see that.、Um, could have been. I think maybe my dad spent, let's say, let's round it up, thirty to forty dollars per room per night. Even if it, I don't think it was even that.、Uh, I'd say twenty. My dad was very practical, so he probably allotted gas, motel, a nice one with a pool. The kids can enjoy themselves, which we did,、uh, and and a, a nice accommodations. And he up, they had just updated the accommodations. I'm talking blue toilet water with modern fixtures. I mean, this was like we had a beautiful room.、Uh, the boys and my dad and the girls and my mom had a equally、uh, mirror image room right next to us.、Uh, it was the, I think, it was the perfect summer getaway. 
It's actually one of our, it was really our only real big, believe it or not, uh, my dad didn't have a lot of money. So this was a big deal for a hundred or so dollars. Uh, he probably spent a lot of time saving for it because money went a long way back then. So figure $20 a room, maybe even less. Uh, I should check into that. Claude might have a better grasp of that. Um, and uh, But anyway, it was a Holiday Inn on the Cape somewhere. It's probably still around uh, with a beautiful brand new, looked like a brand new pool. Dangerous though, I, hadn't, I was afraid of the deep end back then. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if I ventured out, I, probably midway, and I don't even think I went that far, uh, folks. I think I went, um, yeah, I went, I went out probably, uh, yeah, I went out maybe you know, 10, 12 feet. Yeah, I do, I remember now. Yeah, I remember now. I sat a lot of time just watching uh, this diving board. I think Paul, Claude, and Nikki might have, maybe not, but Claude would have dived. There was a diving board, uh, from what I remember, at my seven-year-old mind, because I think this was the summer of 67. Uh, I think it was the summer of 67. The next year, we would be moving out of Woodlawn into Darlington, so that's, that's another segue kind of a cool segue, but I don't want to go there. I still want to talk about these times. Um, time today, priceless. But I wasn't even thinking of priceless today. Here's what I was thinking of, folks. Here it is all in chronological order. Um, thank you, Lord, for your forgiving me, and I say this to myself when I'm doing a long chore, forgive me the wherewithal. That's a good word, people, wherewithal. I'm just having fun with this. And wherewithal, giving me the wherewithal to do this task, to make dinner tonight, to, um, to get dinner ready and feel happy about it, that I got to see most of the MASH episodes that go uh, stream on MeTV or air on MeTV, a channel which I get broken up sometimes because I got a free kind of flattened header and it's adequate, but. I could have a better rabbit ear. I think I'd be. They don't. They don't carry rabbit ears anymore. I don't see them. I want rabbit ear antennas. And I know they perform better. Um, we used to have an aerial. Everybody had an aerial. I used to think it was so cool on the houses that we delivered papers to, um, not too far from us in the countryside section of Pawtucket. They call it uh, more wealthy more, um, uh, you know, local politicians, oil, executives live there and the houses were nice ranches mostly and just really beautiful large capes. Uh, not like the modest capes, but still tidy and nice scale uh, by St. Teresa's over here, uh, especially this really big cluster of them, like very several streets, almost uniform, but really well done for late 40s construction early 50s yeah Darlington had a early stage and a second stage I think Claude would I think you can break it up that way the early stage was the 20s 10s well 1900 10 and Potter over here in our section our immediate section that's tree line because of Potter he lined the trees uh, streets probably with small saplings or good sized saplings of maple trees and I have one beautiful one in my front uh, one was cut down. We had to cut it down for insurance reasons. It was sad to see it go. It was very, very not in good shape anyway. So it was probably all for the best. It was shedding. It was dropping branches and 
the other neighbor's yard, which is, I won't get into why, that definitely was the reason my mom at the time uh, wanted to, to get that tree down, and she did, we got it down. Um, and I recently, three, two, three years ago, last year, I think, two years ago, uh, with my friend Gary, filled that trunk, it was a sunken kind of like, you know, you could sink down in that. And I finally fixed that, and there's actually docker grass growing, so we get a good, we get a good seed. I'd like to actually do the rest of my yard in that seed, but I like the way my yard looks good, courtesy of Patrick, my nephew, um, soon to be called, he's forming, reforming, uh, better than ever with his landscaping, lawn care. Uh, he specializes in small to medium sized yards, but he'll do larger jobs, clean up, fall. Uh, yeah, I may as well do a little ad for him. And we're gonna, coming up with a logo for him, it, it's in development. <laughs> Uh, at least in the thought stage, but I know what I want to do for him as a graphic designer that I am. I want to give him my talent to offer it up to God, actually, when I think about it. Um, but yeah, I want to do it so that it's all cool. I want to call it a certain name, and I'll tell you more about that name and how I came up with it and when I came up with it. Interesting enough, because he has one now that he's uh, not using as much because uh, he doesn't have as much signage and I think he ran out of his business cards, which happens, and he didn't renew it, which is fine. So we're gonna do a whole new look. And I wanna really make it striking and different. I wanna make it visible. Uh, this is gonna be on his trailer. He's getting a relatively, and he's gonna probably get it too. He's talked about it. They're about $6,000 or so or whatever. He might get a good job, a good deal on, on Marketplace or something if he keeps looking, but he wants the V front. Um, he wants to have it wrapped, I believe. Uh, he wants to get a gray one, but have it wrapped, or a white one, have it wrapped in, in a, um, a high-tech uh, kind of dull gray, you know, like you'd see on a sci-fi movie, you know, that kind of gray. I don't know how to explain it, really. Why am I having trouble as a painter explaining what kind of gray? A slate gray? A navy gray? No. Uh, navy can have shine to it. Uh, yeah, um, Mr. Roberts, notwithstanding. Oh, I love that movie. Um, I could talk about that movie, actually, and I haven't seen it in ages to me, which is several, you know, 10 years or so. And I gotta buy it online, or I gotta rent it. And I don't wanna get into renting. And yeah, so I try to get it for free. And I want to watch the whole movie, so a lot of times I won't even watch the movie if it's in. I might watch a few segments. It's a pain in the ass. Um, yeah, it's a pain in the ass, depending how it, how it's set up on YouTube. They, they, they actually fuck it up for you, just so it can make it more difficult and more frustrating. Uh, there's a particular site that really teases you. I had a hankering to see The Sound of Music. Oh, I gotta take a sip here, hold on. To watch the sound of music, not a really high request, but I can see why it would be. But it's a, it's a, uh, my cat's on me and I'm ignoring her. Oh, you beautiful, silky lamb. Um, the sound of music I wanted to watch in its glorious, probably one of the most, well, the stars aligned for the sound of music. Isn't that incredible? The stars align culturally. It came out at the right time. Think about it, Maria the nun at a convent, causing conflict, having personal issues and questioning her nunhood and ultimately 
marrying a baron? Gaylor, Georg? Played marvelously. No one could have been cast better than in hindsight. Hindsight's 120, right? Football, armchair football. Yeah, armchair tactic, armchair whatever. Uh, this is like, this was like kismet. Uh, first of all, I, have an, I admire uh, the, the, the cinematography. The cinematography of that incredible film. It presented to movie theaters in a big reel. I can imagine the size of that movie reel. Wide. It was 75 millimeters. Okay? Or 70. They, it was proprietary. The 75 might have been... This was a... Uh, this was Fox. This was 20th Century Fox. Uh, they, the studio was able to finance it alone. I don't believe they had any other... Columbia Records was licensed, uh, obviously. But look, it wasn't capital, I don't believe. It was Columbia. Columbia got all the big deals back then uh, in, the, in the LP. The LP was our choice of vinyl, uh, making a huge comeback, by the way, with rock, especially 70s rock and classical. Um, but certainly, yeah, it's all like, it was all, it, it actually, the timing was like, kind of like pretty well, it was pretty impeccable, the way actually things locked in. Robert Wise, one of our great directors, uh, Robert Wise, classical uh, sy symmetry, the symmetry in that movie, but the offset, uh, the scene, um, the iconic backlighting of classic backlighting, uh, over the top. The movie was meant to be over the top, but it deftly handled it uh, with total panache, right? Uh, can we use that word? Sure, but I wouldn't have associated it, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Georg, uh, the interactions, but the, the interludes, sappy, yeah, but don't, don't go there. Uh, it's an Austrian story, it's got quintessential scenery, the movie is about Austria and scenery, and then the Nazi tension that you have to have in a, ma in a major feature film. It's the second part of the movie. It's like, it's really like James Bond, uh, the one in space, and I'm forgetting the name, we saw it a long time ago. Forgive me for getting the name, but um, uh, Moonraker. It really had an epic quality to it. It had a different, it went into a whole new story about, it's really smart, and Steven Spielberg, of course, utilizes it, but he didn't invent it. Uh, the geniuses in Hollywood, and I don't mean that facetiously, these are geniuses, people. Uh, they, are, they are like, they've been trained and they know how to do everything from camera angle uh, to sound, everything, you know, the whole way, the cliche circle of what they do. The lighting, I, I, I don't know how to explain it any different for those that are seeking something different from me. Uh, but they got it all together. Uh, they were on rigs. They, their job was basically dangerous, the lighting guys. They had to be right there, you know. Um, uh, there was some danger involved. Uh, daring, you know, this is a daring thing. The lighting schemes were crude at first. Then they developed more sophistication. Then sickening sophistication. If you were to go to a, 
a mainstream kind of like run-of-the-mill uh, Broadway show, which I've never been to, but I can only imagine how un- how I'd want to get out of there soon. But maybe not. I'm actually impressed, and I like the sound of of um, stage musicals. If it sounded right, it's actually kind of a, a real world there, of course. Um, I've got a creative mind, so I'll go anywhere. Uh, in the visual arts, um, I appreciate Hollywood, not just for their westerns, mid-century westerns were schlocky at some ones. Some of them were crisp and elegant and beautiful. I mean, just not, I don't know, beauty, yeah, the landscape. See, the landscape is, uh, isn't the landscape always there? You know, aren't the ledges and the distance always there? Uh, you know, you'll have some cooped up ones like Bonanza's famous one where they're stuck in a cave uh, and they're down in a hole uh, and Ben Cartwright and I think Adam is down with him. I think Adam um, was on the show then. Um, uh, well, the actors, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting the actor. Uh, but anyway, it was Ben Cartwright uh, down in this, um, looked like a 50, 60 foot drop. They had been put down there. They, they didn't fall into it. I don't believe they did. Um, some of the heroics these guys go through. And they do a pretty good job with the stunt doubles, I've noticed. I study these. these. I actually, I, I actually study these. Um, uh, I study these westerns. I actually look at them really kind of like... I look at them like a, like a, like a Hollywood producer... Uh, director, definitely a director. Uh, cinematography comes into play totally. Uh, the elegance of the, such the beauty that is shot with the with the relatively quiet film, right? Jeremiah Johnson with Robert Redford, a young Robert Redford, and I like Will Gear. Will Gear's on there. He's pre Walton's days, uh, and this is about a 1971 so movie. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's Robert Redford, Will Gear, and some other great characters throughout. Uh, it's all about him struggling with nature. Uh, opens up on a scene with him. I'm not going to give any spoilers. I will say it opens up just basically him coming off a train, but wanting to get right out to those mountains. He wanted to get a certain kind of rifle and a certain brand um, that eludes me right now. But it was a certain brand, uh, not a Faulkner. Something like that. It sounded kind of like that. Anyway, he wanted that gun. He wanted that rifle, and he didn't have one. He had another rifle, probably is almost as good, but it wasn't this brand. So he made the point to get one of those. And I don't know if he went to the general store first. I think he. we see him next. And you know what's so great about... Um, and, and it's not Barry Levinson. See, now I'm going to go down a hole because I'm going to be pissed off that I'm not remembering this director, which I remembered and always told everybody about. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, it's beautifully, smartly starting with a winter of winter wonderland. I've hiked in that in New Hampshire. I've hiked with my brother Claude and my cousin Mark. We slid down, and this was, we remarked that it was a winter wonderland in the beautiful pine backwoods, back, backwoods, uh, uh, back country, the back country of Connecticut, 
You know, uh, the Osceola, East Osceola, I think had a winter wonderland. Uh, it probably was December, January, certainly, uh, whatever time it was, it was just wonderful. And so these movies, uh, the impeccability of the sound of music, the certainly the direction, uh, and then the, you realize that the director of photography uh, probably frames everything and the director basically comes over. Now he looks on a, now the director of course famously looks at a, another video screen, good size, well, high definition display uh, of what is taking place. But back then he'd have to go to the camera and look in the lens, it was kind of cool, you know. He had his own lens too, he had one of those that he could just view. Those were so cool. They would just frame the shot. Um, the old Hollywood probably did it with their hands. You know, you can make a frame with your hands and you can go around and that works. And, but this, this is, was, a, was a special little thing, kind of like, it almost looked like a, a truncated slide viewer. And you just put that up to your eye, really kind of cool. And, and yeah, they could, he could frame the movie in that glorious widescreen, that classic widescreen of The Sound of Music, perfect. What a well-proportioned film. I mean, talk about a real blockbuster. It was noticeably a big hit. I cried, I think, as a kid. Uh, I got excited about the movie. We went to see the remake a few years later at our local theater in downtown Pawtucket, the Leroy. And then later at the Dar Dalton Theater, I think. It might have just been once that we did it, yeah. But we went to see The Sound of Music. We saw Heidi at the Dalton over here in Darlington. It's now a citizen's bank. Um, but anyway, it's it's was the it's the classic it's the uh, economy of scale with the half hour black and white uh, it's the um, sort of bittersweetness to say bye to the half hour black and white which was a great flat a great concentrator of uh, information it was very I think of the most probably economic economic as far as making use of time and uh, predictability but in a good way if that's possible is the rifleman with Chuck Connors uh, and his, yeah, certainly, real compact, all black and white, unabashedly. There's no color episode of The Rifleman. I'd like to see that show, it's iconic enough to colorize. I'll agree with Ted Turner. I'll agree with Ted, he started off doing really shitty colorations. It was really cartoony, right? Uh, then they got a lot better and of course now, it's unmistakably, you can't even tell the difference. Used to have a problem with people's mouths, of course, I noticed that. Uh, teeth would be black, uh, it's, it's a moving object, it's moving all around the frame, they couldn't colorize it really. Effectively, I don't even know why. Uh, they left out some scenery in the back, or maybe some trees in the back that you could see were clearly black, grayscale, or black and white, and it, 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 it didn't really affect the picture, the main scene was it was spent on colorizing. It was expensive. And now it's, of course, scaled down and cheaper. Um, I'm sure consumers can dabble into that technology, certainly. Uh, you know, it's like NASA. We get our technology from space exploration and the equipment that we take up there. Cost it trickles down. It makes total sense. Uh, the car industry, the auto industry, uh, the great auto industry worldwide. But in America too, um, and um, it's, uh, yeah, it all fits. And I like, I like 
that it all happens as, as uh, let me, and please indulge me for a second. It all happens actually, and it's important to say this as I close out this nearly hour segment, that it all happens as the clouds go by so leisurely, right? Um, we've thought about this. We get to the beach, the hustle, the bustle of the beach. We realize that that azure blue sky, my favorite color of sky, forgive me, but I like a dark, beautiful blue sky. And with the sky, the beach, but everything, yeah, it's all, it's like you say to yourself, wow. Uh, I go outside and I look at the weather and I just say it's stellar, it's wow. I say, wow, God, this is a glorious day that you have made. And I know it's only re it's only my area, it's only Rhode Island, whatever, uh, Northeast New England, it's only a weather pattern. But no, it's more than that. Uh, each day is a gift. Today, I'm gonna wrap it up um, and I'm gonna just say that the event was w wonderful, it was great seeing people. I wanted to be talking about this um, all this time because there's enough to talk about the great dynamics we had. Uh, I did ubiquitously and rightfully say we've got to do this more often, at least to a couple of the folks that left. I think I said that to Nikki, my sister Nikki. Um, and, um, and it was all in honor of, of my dad's uh, uh, 20th, uh, I'm sorry, 98th, he would be 98. Uh, August 20th so we're late because we're having it on uh, September 2nd um, but we did I did actually say that to everybody and also um, to Janet's birthday that just passed in um, uh, my great wonderful sister-in-law uh, uh, Janet it was her birthday it was gonna be Pat it's gonna be Patrick's birthday on the 9th of September uh, so we had some birthday interaction and everything was great but basically my dad's 98th. We wanted to have it actually on August 20th, which would have been a Sunday. But I think maybe even the weather wasn't that great. So by today, uh, I didn't know I was gonna be able to do this, folks. Um, the house had to get ready. I had to get the ready. I, I hired the professionals that I had before and they, they did a better job than they ever did. Uh, so happy with what they did. Um, I just got to get up and clean my fan. It's probably pretty disgusting with cigarette ash and residue. I don't even want to think about it. Uh, it's just gross. I just vacuum that right out of the scene. So that's going to come off. Um, but I know that it's filtering. Uh, it does a great job of ventilating and filtering. I leave cracked windows. I only smoke. I'm going to get better at this, folks. But I, right now, I only smoke at night. Uh, I don't really want to go outside. Um, I hope I can do this in the winter is go out during the day and smoke. I keep the house uh, clean, free of smoke, at least for a good part of the day, at least till about five. I think that's my cutoff time. Um, I got to try to make it more to six, but yeah, it's probably around five more so. Um, and that's my cutoff time. Uh, I want to keep the air clean for my cats. I felt guilty smoking in the house with my cats, to be honest. Especially Lulu, she was on my lap. Secondhand smoke, I don't know if it's as bad as they say it is, but it's nasty. 
I don't want her breathing that in. And she didn't when I did it. Even when I wasn't even aware of it several months ago when I didn't seem to care, I guess, as much. But I probably did. I just overlooked it. Didn't think about it. This was about a year ago. And then all of a sudden I was aware that these are little breathing, they're, you know, they're little animals with little lungs. They, everything's smaller on a cat, right? Um, you know, really. And so their lungs are, I want them perfect. I don't want them breathing in, you know, even a wisp of it. So I would wave it. I actually wave it away. And it doesn't really, I try to do it. I put my ashtray way off. I don't want her getting any smoke. I don't want her getting one iota of smoke, not a hint of it. Uh, sometimes it wafts right by like a London Fog band that you can visually see the fog, you know, like on a Disney movie. They'll actually illustrate the fog, right? They're good at that kind of thing. Really great, great stuff of London, let's say in a cartoon version of Mary Poppins, I guess. Uh, the wind, the animated wind. And so that goes across like that. Uh, so I, she's, she's, she's at least away from it. Yeah, and she doesn't care. But I don't care, I, I care, I, I don't, I don't want to just say that. Uh, she, it's not on her really peer view. She doesn't really, she actually comes up, I think, sometimes when I light a cigarette, she actually, at nighttime. So at day, I, I'm out in the front or in the backyard enjoying the weather, which is actually good. I get some color from it. Um, although I do gravitate to the shade of the tree, I gotta say. I love the sun, though. I'm a sun worshiper. I could be on a Tahiti island. I could be on a Tahiti island. But just to wrap this segment, folks, you know, I really went on. I tried to limit my tangents, but I always knew when I was coming back. There was no editing on this, by the way. This is all straight talk. Um, it's just I like being able to talk express, exempt, expense. Oh, I'm not going to go there. Um, and I struggling with that word. Um, extemporaneous. It's actually a pretty good word. You won't find it too much on a crossword unless it's the uh, New York Times like weekend one. You know, like the Sunday one. I think the Sunday one must be the hardest of the week. Or the, I think the Monday's the easiest because they get you. Yeah, you have some success with Monday and Tuesday. By Wednesday, eh. Uh, Thursday's probably like Wednesday, Friday. Saturday, tough. Sunday, you know, that's the big paper. New York Times still comes out with a relatively thick paper on Sunday because they have so many news departments. You can't fit it in one section. They have to, they have to have multiple broadsheet broadsheet sections um, to to justify it, and it's got to have a certain thickness. New York Times has to have a certain thir- yeah, certain thickness. They stay obviously with the same newsprint. Providence Journal does too, um, but the New York Times does it super successfully. Uh, and Globe's good, but it's not the New York Times. Uh, the New York Times is the most important news organization in the world. It's the most influential. It's the most quoted. It has the most cachet. Uh, it has the book lists are famous or infamous, depending on how you want to look at it. It has an op-ed column that would be the envy, that is the envy of probably all the world newspapers. It assembles the greatest talent amassed in a relatively small square footage area, but albeit tall and pretty large headquarters in Manhattan, uh, the Times building. And uh, 
Yeah, they, they abandoned their old building years ago. Uh, it was here in the 80s, I'm gonna say. I'll ask Claude. I think it was probably like 82 this happened, 83, 84. They built it incredible. Might have been 90, actually. Yeah, maybe 90, given the style of the modern approach to architecture. They actually did a pretty good job. They actually kind of gave it a, uh, uh, I gotta look at it again, I gotta Google it again, but I can picture it. They actually did a pretty good job. Um, there, there was some, there was success with a lot. Large white structures, fluffy, light, sunlit, crashing into each other, forming new, vast continents, Pangeas in the heavens. I'm talking about simply clouds. Today, this segment is devoted to friendly, slow-moving clouds. The, the amazing thing and I wanted to talk about this earlier because it's sort of interesting about time and, you know, where we are in this whole mix and how small we are, uh, really, um, in the physical nature of things. Um, I think they said if everybody stood right close together, touching each other, uh, it's interesting, a, a fact about Rhode Island, because, you know, you always say something's the size of Rhode Island. Now I think it's moved up to even beyond the size of Connecticut. I read last year, my brother lives in Connecticut. I uh, read last year, I think on my New York Times feed, um, if all of humanity right now, uh, the seven billion, I should look that up. I should know what the world population is. Uh, certainly, but uh, in any event, uh, so everybody's standing close to each other, the whole population of the entire world, and um, whatever that billion number is, uh, still under 10 billion. I think there was talk about, you know, it being 9 billion, but not quite yet. I don't think we're, we're there yet. In fact, I'm sure we're not there yet. All right, it's 7.888 billion. Uh, it's a pretty targeted, accurate number. It's just amazing. First of all, the size of that number. Secondly, although not quite yet to the 9 billion, um, but certainly a large number. And the accuracy, it's just amazing. The census taker, I mean, it would be a basically census is added up, I would imagine. Uh, you know, so you would just combine, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, Bahamas, which is its own country, has its own flag. Um, uh, you know, um, there would be also things like, um, you know, you know, like Nepal, for example, uh, it clumped in with the United States, clumped in with the giant, uh, now largest population in the country, a country with the largest. Uh, most amount of people, largest population, is India, uh, followed by China. I think they're pretty, pretty, I think uh, India just recently, yes, recently, 2022, maybe 2021, overtook China. Um, and, but the fact is, it's almost 8 billion people, which is, you know, when you think about it, I know um, there was about 3 billion people back when uh, the Andy Griffith show was on. In fact, I think it was more like, Claude would definitely be able to correct me, 
Griffith ran from uh, Barney and, and the whole gang, Opie and Aunt B, uh, Aunt B. Uh, that ran from 60, 1960 through uh, 67, I'm going to say, seven or eight seasons of Andy Griffith. I think it's eight, uh, which is phenomenal. Uh, and uh, there's all backstories with that. I like the information behind that bloopers, all that kind of cool stuff. Although, you notice a lot of the great old shows, you can't find a blooper reel. It's pretty rare. I found one with The Rifleman, which was a hoot. I'd recommend anybody who just wants to get a good laugh to see Chuck Connors uh, and Mark, and also the great Paul Fix, who plays, uh, who plays the, the marshal on the show. And, um, and so you've got so yeah, I'm thinking maybe 180, 180, 200 million at the most in 60, 1960, let's say. Um, but I want to just get back to clouds. In fact, I wanted to do a, a poem. Um, and it, this segment started off poem-like. Uh, um, but it's the, it's the, it's the, it's, first of all, it's the, you know, it's such a contrast to our fast sense of time, the clouds just take their time. You know, they don't care about our pace of life and nature fits in harmony with it. As I look out my window, which is giving me source of the whole visual source behind this, I see a, a good diagonal cut to the right top of sky with these famous clouds of ours and then my maple uh, the neighbor's maple tree across the street is the other taking up pretty much the whole other with bits of sky showing through if you catch my drift and it's it's a little blustery uh hurricane lee left our area like maybe three or four days ago but we might be getting remnants of that wind because it's been it's been non not a windy summer which typically it isn't it's now transitioning the cold fronts are you know, re, they're, they're doing all their meteorological thing. <laughs> and so I've got still green, relatively green tree and, and, and sky half and half diagonal as on a canvas. And I see now most, mostly clouds. It's forming that sort of Pangaea, that large supersized continent from 200 million years ago, Pangaea. And, you know, I always had trouble with that word uh, growing up or getting older, uh, Pangea, I had concept problems. Um, example would be Rhode Island College, and I don't want to get off track from clouds, but um, uh, I would get off, I would be sort of like, first of all, overwhelmed with the whole school experience. But let me get back just to the clouds, because I don't want to lose focus on these segments. I really don't. Clouds, I see blue. I see the green of the trees, but I see the clouds. It's all about the clouds right now. But you know what? It's also about that azure blue sky. I have cataracts right now, and I am looking forward to, just before Thanksgiving of this year, I am going to be getting my, 2023, I will be getting my cataracts removed. I've got 80% in one eye and 50 or 60 in my right eye. And I'm looking forward to seeing deeper, I think less refraction, right, from what you have, if anybody has cataracts, to the degree that I have, 
and it's interesting. It looks just filmy. I I always thought I had a good vivid uh, presentation through my eyes. You know, um, I I see greens as deep. Green. I mean, everything is like not. It's really almost. I'll be looking forward to see maybe my dad's slides of Kodachrome. Kodachrome. I could do a whole segment on Paul Simon's great song, paying homage. It's it's one of those little novelty songs of his. You know, uh, Hop on the Bus, Gus. Uh, I had that album, although that was more structured. This was a very well-structured, produced song, Kodachrome. I recommend it. It's my favorite Paul Simon song. My sister and I... Uh, I don't think I turned her on to she's of course heard it before but we listened to it on XM and uh, recently and um, it was uh, really great to hear it it's such an optimistic song uh, I'm going to talk to my brother Claude about Kodachrome um, I, Claude's more long form um, but you know uh, for example Prague Rock uh, certainly but um, no Paul Simon uh, Kodachrome, my dad's Kodachrome. I want to see a Kodachrome slide, one of them projected or more, and we got to have a family projection uh, event. Uh, we've got maybe 200 or so slides, um, less than I thought. You know, my dad took slides almost exclusively. Um, he was not a print guy. You know, he didn't lick an envelope and put the money in. Back then, you could, I think, send cash. Uh, and then get your photos developed at like a mystic lab. Remember them? I use them a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, you get back your slides. It was like Christmas. And we were all excited about it. And it added to the collection. But I think we were like at 200. Uh, my cat's looking at me like really like because I'm back on doing podcasts, trying to make an attempt to keep things concise. But Kodachrome... And but time on the clouds, back to that, to time. I don't want to miss this concept to, to what I was thinking and for whatever it's worth. Um, they take their sweet time about things and it's just wonderful. Of course, you know, if you got winds, the clouds are going to move faster like today. Moderate winds, I was out biking. Uh, I took my bike out this morning um, and um, actually get back uh, recently. Uh, from a nice ride um, a few miles and it's just glorious and also for the fact that I didn't think I'd be really riding my bike this much this year what a great thing that ended up being uh, so I'm kind of content about that um, not that I'm you know biking every day certainly not um, but um, I, I got out today and it was for a good hour or so you know maybe an hour and 20 minutes um, but I pace myself, and the pace of life is fast. And the pace of clouds, because of their massiveness and their fluffiness, uh, they just go slow. And these are so now it's it's relinquishing. Maybe Pangea is breaking up again. It's this continual morphing uh, in the heavens that we see on a glorious uh, day. Uh, I like the clouds in the horizon. You know, maybe a third of the way up. You know, we used to draw the sky up at a top one-inch strip in school. I don't know what grade I was before I figured out that the sky is not just a strip. Uh, how many times, you know, and some kids would put like a half-inch strip of sky. It's amazing. Another podcast on our childhood perceptions, so, so pure and out of the gate, you know, really, literally. 
Um, I was actually thinking of my baptismal, baptismal day, and my brother Claude and I were talking about my dad taking pictures with the Kodachrome or Ektachrome film of that time. Uh, still is made. Um, probably the greatest engineered film ever made was the Technicolor process and motion pictures, motion pictures, uh, and tech and the same sort of not dye system. I, I it's a different. It's not pigment either. It's a another way to process. Very interesting. I always was fascinated with that. Ektachrome, they process it differently. It's cheaper, I believe. Kodachrome is the king, and it will always be in our popular culture. Vis-a-vis uh, -vis Paul Simon and others that have celebrated uh, beauty and vividness, right? Cataracts removed. My dad's operation was videotaped. It was back when there was black and white videotape. I think maybe the late 90s even. I forget when my dad had his cataracts on. Uh, and that was a long, uh, not risky so much, certainly not, uh, maybe a little bit then. Uh, and this is probably, like I said, 98, 99, uh, maybe a little earlier. Um, and he was on a table and he was out or uh, I don't think he was awake for it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be awake for it. It's like a 10-minute procedure now, but back then it seemed like it was half a day. Uh, very delicate, of course. Um, and I think he had both out. And he said he saw Technicolor. Um, Technicolor. Um, you know, he probably would have wanted to get his, his Kodachrome film out um, to load in his... Then he, he had an, um, a, an older camera like built like a tank. Um, but then he got a Canon uh, of that circa 74, 75, um, nice camera. Uh, he took pictures of the beach. I think those were one of the last slides he took. Um, my dad passed away in 2006, my mom 2012. Um, and my dear sister Renee in uh, 2021, uh, 2022. And um, I miss them all, think of them all, um, and I, I just think of them all, all the time. And now the sky is just a little tiny clouds, you know, little mini teeny clouds. Um, and, uh, and then these larger down on the horizon. So the, the top strip in school that you drew, but picture that down the bottom. Uh, representing the line that maybe the clouds are really, and then there's a dome of blue, or maybe some little scattered. I don't, you know, I love clouds, but I don't like too many clouds, if I can say that. Um, I like blue sky. That's what I like. Um, I like that azure blue sky, and today is demonstrating that. And um, my girls on me. This is the the story of the clouds. Um, and I also wanted to say that the slowness is contrast to our busy days, our busy lives, really. I'm retired, but I find my days to be kind of busy with the different things I've got to do. Um, and uh, the days seem to go by pretty good. Um, <clears throat> and I always think of like just how right now it's it just going across so beautifully. You know, it's like it's like the Titanic just sailing by. Um, <clears throat> so I guess that's about it for clouds. I wanted to do a poem form. Um, right now is a silvery shadow. I love that too, with the dimension of the clouds. 
beyond there, the wispy, fluffery, fluffy, um, there's the threatening clouds. But I don't want to talk about the threatening clouds. Uh, it's usually when I look down Newport Avenue uh, from my Hunt Avenue home and look north, the, the sky lately this summer has been threatening, particularly from the north. I don't know why that is. I think there's got to be a western... I think there was some western uh, sort of ominousness, dark skies I'm talking about. Um, we had a tornado touching down uh, in the Foster region. Uh, those more... Um, uh, uh, very less populated, certainly, areas of Rhode Island. Northwestern Rhode Island is a good-sized chunk. And they, there was some, um, there was some, several, a few, I think it was three, yeah, three tornadoes that touched down uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we, or a week ago, we had the threat. My Janet, my brother, my sister-in-law, Janet, texted me wondering, because she saw a report um, that, it was coming through the Pawtucket area, but it actually wasn't. It didn't appear on this map to be touching down anywhere near Pawtucket. Um, and uh, so uh, we weren't really affected. And I didn't see that hint of, um, I'd been in, in a tornado, not a major one. I was working at an ad agency and we happened to be up in, um, up in a little penthouse that was sort of like canopied in. Um, and it was it was great. It was really well done. So you were like you were inside, but you were really up on a penthouse canopy setup. And uh, I saw the sky. It was green. It was like ghoulish, like Frankenstein motion picture that, that green that they used, you know. Uh, and but lighter, but threatening, threatening. And uh, we didn't really worry about it. it. Came so through so fast. I heard the uh, the famous train sound, and it really does sound like a train roaring through, and it's very fast. And it had hit a building in downtown, uh, and it was uh, it was damaged, and it was not too far from us. And amazingly, uh, we weren't affected, so we totally lucked out there. Uh, you know, these storms, you know, these hurricanes, these storms we're going to be getting in the next 50, you know, even less years, 20, 50, 30, uh, whatever, are going to be a lot more violent, really, on average. Uh, we'll probably still get the average kind of storm, um, but I think it's going to be, and I'm no uh, climatologist by any stretch, but I do love ecology and I could do a segment about the EPA saving the lives of us, the great decisions over at the EPA, ironically under the, under the uh, Nixon administration. Um, maybe the tail end of Johnson. I can't see him being that environmentalistic. He's a Texan. I got nothing against that. In fact, I love Texas. I think the people of Texas are great. I'm learning more about our different areas. We got all great states, all 50 states. We all do, and um, I'm gonna just put a close to this this segment. I might talk about clouds more because I know there's more to talk about nature and phenomena, but uh, they uh, they just represent the continuum of a force, a god, 
that keeps it in uh, really perfect momentum. And the things we do on the earth affect the Gulf Stream, the shift, that, that shift we had in the earth. Um, I'm gonna go back and research that more because it's very interesting to me. Uh, there was a wobble, there was a wobble, and it was because of groundwater. So uh, this was on a New York Times newsletter from, I'm gonna say, uh, uh, maybe a year ago. And I mentioned it to Claude, and I'm gonna bring it up again because I wanna look more into that. I'm lazy when it comes to research. Oh, I can't say that, I'm pretty good with it. But here's the 20 minute mark, uh, and enjoy your beautiful day. I hope you have it in your part of the country or world. Uh, and um, certainly in, in take it all in and enjoy it. Uh, view out your window while you're watching TV, even at night when it gets darker. I do that, I view out my window. Then I, I look at my cats. It's more important than television. I'm drawn to television at night. I put it on later in the day now. Um, I'm getting a little more disciplined with that. But thanks again for listening. Um, and who cares about my television viewing? But I care. Um, but I like to look at. I look like to look out at the sky and 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 my my front yard. You know, um, I got. I'm lucky to have three windows together here in the living room. I can see, uh, and um, and I can see now the clouds. It's half and half now, and it just keeps that morphing going on. So it's just like Igloo, you know, the brand Igloo. Uh, the cooler people that we see on baseball parks and beaches and whatever this past summer. Uh, yeah, certainly. So we got Igloo and it's the Avis of coolers when I think about it. I do that kind of fun comparison. I have fun. I'm sorry. I, I kind of just do some downtime fun. It's not really even downtime fun. It's really kind of engaged. I'm interested in, in these kind of things, and it's sort of that I drive to it. I don't ask me why. Don't ask me how my mind works. It's just, I, it's, it's random. Um, I've been better at that, but it, I still got that thing going, and I did have this interesting thought, and I think it might be good to just share. Uh, and it's that Igloo is Avis, of course. To Hertz, as uh, Igloo is to uh, uh, to the Coleman people. So I, when I Igloo'd, uh, bottom line is I'm having a local dairy, Monroe Dairy. They're based in Cranston, Rhode Island. I live in Pawtucket. Um, it took me uh, literally um, uh, eight, uh, let's see, seven, six or seven months, I guess, for um, since my birthday. It was a birthday gift to get subscribed to it for them to deliver. I wasn't even aware that, that they delivered to Pawtucket. I'm just going to get closer to the mic here. Um, I'll watch the meters, but no, that looks pretty good. Um, I'm just looking out at my window and my pumpkins, and it just made me think, and I'm getting this, you know, they're going to be able to deliver in the winter without having to waste money on an ice pack, you know? Um, so chalk that one up. Uh, you know, anyway... Ice packs are great, uh, but um, they might still put them in just for safety reasons. That's probably what the, maybe not with snow, 
um, certainly. But anyway, I'm, I'm psyched about them delivering. Um, and they're a reputable dairy. In fact, they've been around since the 1800s, like something like 150 years old. It's amazing. It's the A.G. Monroe Company, Cranston, Rhode Island, and they just deliver basically all over the state. So uh, they're going to come out to Pawtucket once a week on Wednesdays, and Andrew is my guy. Uh, he's my milkman, as you would call him, I guess, uh, but you don't call him by that really anymore. He might be a uh, milk facilitator, you know, uh, whatever. Uh-huh. Having fun again here. But I like the words. I like the word play. It's all cool. I like my puzzles on my phone. Um, yep, I do indulge uh, for a good block of the morning at least. I come back to it, you know, um, and I like it. It's fun, and I like the idea of Igloo uh, and Coleman, and then you got number one Hertz with number two We Try Harder. Remember that from the 70s and 80s? <laughs> uh, we Try Harder Avis. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the pumpkins are up. Uh, the I put them up uh, uh, last night. Uh, they fell down a couple. Of them. I used scotch tape, which I thought was going to hold, but I guess they're a little too heavy. But they're just vintage um, heirloom, really valued. Um, I'm putting them out this year, definitely. I think I did last year, um, and. Uh, I got a whole new, real good spin on Halloween this year. I got a good, I'm sort of into it this year. Um, and But the pumpkins, they're little guys. They're about two inches diameter with kind of mean faces, but kind of like the kids wouldn't get scared of them because we had them when I was 10. I, I'm figuring, I'm pegging it around 1970 vintage circa. And they're little plastic you know, made in Japan, probably, uh, little lanterns uh, with mini lights, which would have been, you know, they, they mini lights came out maybe probably the early 60s, I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to give technology that kind of credit to say they probably came out in 63. Um, and maybe I'll Google it because um, I see that's another tangent I get off. I get interested. But yeah. Plastic Japan mini lights that still work since 19 vintage 70 and uh, They are really on my window now, and they're really kind of charming, you know um, And then I got this jack-o'-lantern that my mom and dad got probably around the same time and it's really kind of like a really nice desk um, side sofa table which I have with my lamp um, and uh, and I got the stereo speaker in the back, but I have the the I got the I got the guy, and he's really kind of mean, but again, you know, kid friendly certainly. Um, and then I got the half skeleton man hanging up on my entry mirror, and what else? What else we got? Oh, great, great! I did this. Uh, it actually hung. I always had trouble hanging the damn thing. Uh, but it was a, it's a jack-o'-lantern with streamers under it, and that, that's also vintage around the same time. My dad must have gone on a, a 1971 uh, uh, trip 
It had to be something like that. We probably went along, got them Halloween. We got Halloween displays, and then we got home all excited, and we put them up, and it was all cool. And my dad made it extra special um, for a few days. I think we had, and I think we had like Halloween parties, of course, uh, and and. Um, they were streamers, and he did a great job, you know, really great. And, and the, the, the orange and black graphic nature, it's one of the most graphic designed with, as far as color, uh, contrasting color usage. It's really appropriate, you know, the orange of the fall, uh, the leaves, the, um, yeah, the, 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 the whole thing and the whole fall vibe autumn you know um <clears throat> and then the little mean cute but cute faces um and they they hang they dangle uh, each of them a little lower one you know sort of staggering i made them this week this year i gotta go reposition them though folks and then i gotta do um the extension cord uh logistics which i think i can figure out i'm pretty optimistic about that and then um, yeah, I got to plug my pumpkin man in and the other ones are all set. Uh, yeah, I got the front, I got him, he's like a material, like a vinyl and he's, um, really nice and it's still really vibrant. It's almost like the original, it really is, it's like, it's like the original, it's like we just got it, you know? And, um, he hangs there like about four feet total length. And I got them attached to my front porch light, which is awesome, so that I can, I can um, uh, put the front porch light on. He'll glow, so that's going to be cool. And you know, the kids with the candy, uh, it's going to be great. And I look forward to it this year more than past years. Yes, so last year I do remember, I was pretty cool, um, but this year I got a whole new approach to passing out candy what it is is it's going to be just two each um i don't want to just give one it doesn't seem like i'm I, they, you know that's such small chocolate and it's gonna i'm gonna have to work at uh, not giving three because i'm known to do that too um it's 301 in the afternoon here and um a progress report on the cats he's sleeping in the office on um on Auntie Renee's recliner, I call it. Uh, my sister Renee, um, in memory of my sister Renee, uh, dear loving sister. And then girl Lulu, so that's Kane, the black and white, uh, almost like Maine Coon uh, kind of cat, black and white, and uh, half Zorro man. Um, and then girl on me right now, gray and white. Uh, gray and white girl and she's silky right so they're both silky in different ways you know uh, you guys know that they have multiple cats um, sure uh, or even just one cat you learn a lot from your cat polarization in today's society and I'm not talking about political uh, polarization we're talking simply about Decoration, plugging in, electric, home, home current, 110 volt. And you know the drill, 
Today is a practice run, certainly, because uh, I do more for Christmas, but um, I don't know why I'm talking to you like this. Uh, my cat, my black and white kind of Maine Coon cat, is coming, but he's just decided to stop. Under, no, I yeah, she's coming out of the bedroom. They'll be cool. They should be pretty cool. Um, but uh, in any event, I've got the pumpkin lit. It's really pretty glorious. Um, I really like it. Um, my folks bought it back in 1970-ish, and my dad, uh, we may have gone with them to get them. They were decorations. He got a couple other items that were really cool, and I still have. But I'm looking right now, it really is cool. I love the orange, and you know, I'm looking forward to like blue, blue sunsets. You know, that's what I'm into. I'm really trying to get ambience going. I, I did it with my previous, uh, previous episodes recently uh, during the summer. It was really kind of a really uh, balmy. We had, I had, I thought, very pleasant days. Um, some people would have thought otherwise, certainly. But I thought they were really kind of tropical. Um, I was picturing, literally, I was picturing myself, we all do this, on, you know, some kind of enchanted, uh, well, uh, better described as being a, a palm tree lined uh, uh, paradise, you know? Um, what's another word for paradise? Heaven, haven maybe? Haven's good. Um, I don't know if it's quite there yet. But I think what really is, is it really is paradis, paradis. And um, it certainly is Jamaica, uh, all those places, Aruba, you know, all the usual suspects, right? Um, and then, you know, the ones that you don't, you know, think of going to, like maybe Malta, you know, I don't know if that's on the top of your list, probably not, maybe. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of original kind of way of rethinking, right? We're kind of going through a paradigm shift in the world tourist business, which is a huge, huge business. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely. And so polarization in today's society uh, is getting the right, uh, it makes it easy because one prong is a little wider, you know. So I, I try to be all totally the per, per polarity, um, good word, polarity. Uh, it would have been a good rock album from some group like maybe, maybe, maybe not Foreigner, but maybe. Um, yeah, and so, and Halloween, yeah, I like the Im imagery. Halloween evokes the, the green, the the uh, orange and and the black, and with purple sometimes thrown in, and uh, you know, um, and it's it's really adds. I like it. I like the purple. Um, I think that's a good you know um, kind of haunted house imagery we like. Um, it's it's great. I think that's a good palette. And certainly black and orange and and not black. Well, black and purple could work, certainly. Uh, we've seen it in, in ads and graphic representation as an alternative to the usual green and black. But I think it's green and black. Uh, I keep saying green. Orange, I'm sorry, orange and black. Uh, it's just such a, it's just a right on for the season. Uh, you know, the orange of the 
pumpkins, the orange of the leaves, uh, the turning leaves, certainly, uh, by October 31st, you know, just past peak usually in this region of New England, southern New England, um, northern New England, a few weeks, maybe up to a month earlier, really. Um, and so that's all glorious. And that coloration brings it in, in the case, into my little jack-o'-lanterns around the house. Um, and my skeleton boy, man, half man, it's half skeleton, uh, notwithstanding. I got this, uh, this little view that they're just kind of hovering. They just happen to hover over the TV. Um, and then, um, so I got the TV right near the windows, uh, up against the windows. So I got, I always see my windows and I, uh, have mentioned this. I've, um. I, I like to watch TV and look out the window, certainly, and I like to just keep appreciating the outdoor. At nighttime, it's really kind of like kind of nice and different. The golden light is awesome. I start watching TV, uh, uh, I'll admit it, five o'clock. It's earlier than I want. I, my target is like six when MASH comes on. I'm not going to miss um, my MeTV uh, gratefully four in a row that they present on weekday nights and then they present two on Sunday which is awesome and uh, it's, uh, it's 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 a good time I'm getting dinner ready or I have it dinner ready uh, by the time it's ready and I bring it into the uh, onto the um, couch and uh, sit I got a pretty good setup and um, and then I get I just get comfy and I like enjoy my mash with my my dinner, uh, my hopefully well cooked dinner. I'm getting better, folks. I'm going to do a segment too. Um, it's going to be sort of a special segment on food. Uh, I'm not I'm not a foodie because you've got to be rich to be a foodie. I you know if you say you're a foodie to me, if I'm going by you, let's say you're jogging on I don't know Blackstone Boulevard. And we get into a conversation. And I'm from that area. And I'm upper. I got a nice, really, really huge ranch house. It's probably worth, you know, 800000 maybe even a million. And, uh, and then I, I get, and I'm running, I'm walking with my dog. Um, and and, um, and he's, he's cool with me. And we're enjoying the day, and we run into another guy jogging back. This was the other day. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was really kind of cool because I bumped into him. So his dog is is actually trailing behind, which is really kind of irresponsible for this kind of guy. And I'll tell you about him right now. First of all, he's a snob. Uh, he always was. And he was running by, but I wanted to make conversation. And he can have a nice conversation. You can have a, actually, you can have a pretty pleasant conversation with the dude. Um, but, you know, right off the bat, his name's Chad. You know, I mean, yeah. And so there you go right there. And, and, and the dog's name is Eames. You know, after the chair designer from the 50s. Uh, the great Eames chair, which I admire. I wish I had that piece. A piece like that in the house, but I don't. Um, and uh, Eames. So you're calling your male dog Eames. I think it's kind of cool. 
Uh, I also think it's probably the snottiest name you could give your dog. You know, I don't care what breed. This one, this dog happens to be a German Shepherd, which is my probably my favorite large breed. Certainly, it's up there. I love the German Shepherd. I love their temperament. Aside from them being your typical police dog, which they're wonderful in their role and they're cute and they're really so pros, they're pro doggies, you know? Um, and then um, my kitties are trying to get to be pro kitties, but that's a whole different set of criteria. Uh, that's gotta be run by a whole different council of other kitty cats. But the doggy woggies decide, and their whole thing is to be uh, the loyal, typical, archetypical dog, right? And, but the small breeds I like as well. The small breeds I definitely like as well. I like the, I like the, um, I saw, a, 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 it was an older dog, but it was a smaller uh, husky. And I love the husky and she let me pet her. And it was so sweet. And the owner was really nice. And that was the other day I was on my bike. I stopped and um, it was really nice to just see the little dog. He was really great dog. And then, you know, I was on my way, but you know, those, those things you think about. And, and I like to relate, like I, I like to think of this show as me relating to you, kind of like, not just spur of the moment ideas, not planned really, but just sort of organic sense. When my cousin Andy and I started playing music, I always considered us organic kind of rock, or actually I, just, I really just called our band, the Andy Guzzi Band, uh, we were together for maybe two or three years practicing, and then finally, no, longer than that, maybe five or six years, certainly, uh, in my cousin's basement. He had a great sound setup uh, later on. Uh, we got to use that, but earlier it was a little more uh, just the basement, basically, thing. So uh, reverb aside, we really kind of, and we struggled. We struggled. Uh, we struggled with some songs but we got them down. We were a working man's band, but we were organic. And it's, it's really now a cliche, um, but it's, it, when you use organic in the organic artistic creative, um, the greatest God, gift God can give us is our creativity, right? Our capacity for love through art. Um, yeah, certainly. And I, yeah, I like getting back to painting. I'm gonna get back to painting. I, I took a picture of my subject the other day. I wanna retake the picture though. It wasn't quite right. Um, I'm gonna get it right with the right conditions. And then that's gonna be my next painting. I'll mention to that. I'll, 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 you'll find out the name of that. Uh, I already have, uh, it's, it's formulating a working title. It's really simple anyway. Uh, I take a real simple primitive realism approach is what I'm coining it. Pre primitive realism. Um, uh, and it's a, a genre, I don't know if I even made it up, it might even exist. It seems like it should already exist and be probably taught in art school because it's a good approach. It's your recollection of art, semi-trained in my case, um, but abandoned long ago and now resurfacing in a kind of cool way and um, and with the support of friends certainly um, and then so proceeding and I had a long gap summer I basically didn't paint 
okay? I basically took that as a hiatus, unintentional. I kind of wanted to. I thought about it many times. I had trouble finding subject matter. Um, uh, and I also lost all of my older photos from a couple of years ago um, uh, on my phone. I don't know what happened to them, but uh, I moved on. But I found a subject the other day, took the picture, sent it to a friend who supports me all the time, and she sent back that she really thinks it's cool, which is cool. Um, and I like to have support from people. Um, and, you know, so I got, I got the pumpkin guys going, uh, and I got the cats relaxing, and I got um, supper coming in about two hours maybe, and then I got, um, you know, we'll see the pumpkins, and it's my own little Halloween world. And it's sort of immediate, but the cats and I can enjoy a little bit of ambiance, just a teensy winks, but it's kind of menacing with these cute little pumpkins looking at me. Um, and uh, against the nice blue sky, today's a hazy day, but really pretty pleasant day. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm always grateful for the, what, what God brings us. Uh, I know he doesn't, you know, he's let go with the weather a long time ago. God, had, my theory on God is he just started everything and then he, he didn't gamble on anything. He knows the plan, of course, because he's God, right? But, certainly, but he, he wants to see how it really plays out. He's curious. He's a creative God, you know? Um, uh, he loves his word and his word is his people. Um, and it's, it's from Israel, it's from the Old Testament to the new, um, the new word uh, of Jesus. And um, so that's, that's with that, and it really plays into it. But Halloween, and then ramping up for Thanksgiving, the following month, and then the following month, December, we got a boom, boom, boom of really potentially beautiful weather and con uh, you know, maybe a little snow on Christmas. Let's not get that far ahead. Um, we can start definitely when we get together. What do we need to get together when we get to a Halloween party? We plan on who's going to do the turkey dinner this year in the family. And then we want to bring friends in, don't we? It's always nice to have one, one friend maybe or two. Uh, and whatever you can have seating capacity at the table or tables. You know, we used to sit at a little card table. Um, that's where the kids sat. Um, and uh, I'm sure you probably experienced it. Um, and it was all wonderful. And the dinner was so great. And the company, our relatives, just loving and really great experiences, great happy memories all the time. I think about it all the time. I go back, I go back to those times daily, really. I can easily say multiple times. I just yearn I, I don't live in the past I really don't live in the past but I yearn I would definitely love to revisit that I know it's not possible but it would be cool to really you know if you think about it just maybe relive even my teenage years of partying I, I, I'm curious how was I you know um, was I goofy I probably had a little bit of goofiness in me I'm gonna say um, uh, I had good friends though 
we all liked each other for the most part. We definitely razzed each other, definitely. I got my share of that. Um, yeah, I can tell you some stories. Um, mostly good-natured, you know, mostly good-natured. And wrestling, you know, the whole kind of thing that teens do to be cool. Um, and then uh, before the cell phones, of course. Uh, but, you know, coming out of school at St. Ray's, they allowed smoking. Uh, this uh, girl and boy high school. And we'd come out, and about a good group of us, 30, I'd say, on average, 25, 30 of us, uh, picnic tables were provided in the back for us. And, uh, oh, yeah, they accommodated us, St. Ray's and Pawtucket here. The, they've clamped down on that sort of thing now. Um, they, there wouldn't probably be any smoking allowed on the campus. Um, I don't know about when they change classes. Because St. Ray's is separated by a few uh, Pawtucket blocks of houses, all nice houses in that neighborhood of Walcott, Quality Hill, it's called. Um, and it was a quality high school. But uh, Pierre and I would do the funky thing at Halloween, just getting back to that holiday before I close. Um, right, and it would be us being on the porch, and he always remembers it too, cherished memories of us on the porch on Hunts Avenue, right here in Pawtucket, and um, with our sophisticated versions of, of sound equipment and then planted, planted, uh, it's interesting, planted, uh, it was fun though, planted speakers. I really got pretty good at audio. I learned a lot about audio then. Uh, there you go about polarity again. But um, I, we did the thing and we spooked people, but we didn't really have the, the visuals or lighting to back it up, so it wasn't as convincing. So we mostly got in fights, not fights, but uh, little wise-ass cracks from most... Some thought it was spooky. They, you know, actually the little kids, yes, definitely. But the older kids, they didn't want to have any of it. And they were, you know, no, never came to any. We did have one altercation, though, with, I guess, some kind of jerks they were. And uh, we probably exacerbated the problem, uh, escalated maybe things, but it never got really out of hand. There was no real vandalism, I don't believe. And that was only one year, maybe. Um, and then that, that was just a troublesome kind of group that came by the street, a couple of kids that just wanted to kind of like, um, you know, press our buttons, you know. But I think we probably quelled it. Um, I'm sure of it. Um, I don't think my mom had to get involved. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty rowdy night. Kind of fun, though, kind of exciting. I like that. You know, we all like a little excitement in our life, you know, a little bit. And uh, it's good to get. I think it's kind of a, you know, it's like kayaking. We're going to be doing this this following weekend into the next week up in Vermont. My brother Pierre and my sister-in-law Janet and I, this is our second year up there, up in Vermont. And we have our own little kind of thing going up there with a cabin. It's really nice. Uh, Vermont's just gorgeous. And it's going to be right at foliage time, the beginning um at foliage time up there in Vermont, you know, and uh, looking forward to it. And um, so she's on me now. We're closing up into the half-hour segment. But I want to thank you for bearing with me on my sort of refound routine of re-excitement of Halloween.
it's a whole series of decision-making processes, sure. Uh, it starts every morning. The decision to jump on the bed, yes, he's got that covered. Pretty consistently each morning. Um, and he's, he's a black and white big cat. He comes up, um, I, I, he, he wants me to wake up. Uh, it's at a good time. Um, I usually, sometimes I'll sleep another phase there. Um, but a lot of the times I get up. I shut the ceiling fan off over the bed. Um, and I, um, I, I get up and I put my socks on and I put my shirt on and I put my pants on and I put my slippers on. And I uh, traipse across to the kitchen at the other end of the house and um, accommodate myself to first satisfying the cats. I was going to say make coffee, but I corrected myself. It's not the first thing I do. And that's a big deal for me because I got to have coffee in the morning. Uh, many of you know what that's all about. Just want to have the taste of it. I just want to have the ritual going. I want to perk it. I want to do it. Uh, it's all coffee-related. I like the whole process. Uh, it's pretty simple and pretty straightforward. I really try to simplify things. Um, and I, But before I even, even think of that or do that, um, a little ways down from the coffee maker is the thin cupboard by the refrigerator. It's perfect for holding my cat nutritional needs, which is relegated pretty much to one bag of Nutrish uh, and they love it. They like the chicken. They like the salmon. They're on the chicken right now because I decided that they're going to just have more chicken. But I might get the salmon next time. Sure. Mix things up. Why not? Um, I fill the bowls. Um, I replenish the water um, or change the water. Um, I um, take care of their needs first. Uh, and he's on top of me. I mean, he's good. He's patient. Uh, they're both really pretty wonderful. Um, uh, and especially at these times, they're pretty cooperative. They don't complain. They're compliant. They're compliant. And it's not a Nazi prisoner camp here. Uh, but I use compliant in the, you know, in the, just the way that they're just so really kind of uh, calm and easygoing. It's amazing for such an animal that we would think of, especially this time of year. Um, in fall here, where we're coming into Halloween, you know, the nervous, scaredy cat. It's always the image of the hair raised, right, in popular culture. There's that reinforcement of the cat that he's a scaredy cat. And we say scaredy cat. It's one of our terms. Um, and it's one of our many terms where we reference the cat. Um, the wild cat, the, in the wild, um, you know, he roared like a lion, you know, um, he fights like a tiger. Uh, Tony the tiger, popular culture reinforcements. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, you've got the cat, Morris the cat 
probably the most famous cat to ever grace our TV screens. Um, and kids today know who Morris the cat was. Parents have reinforced it to them. Um, because we remember the great funny commercials they were. And he was just an awesome cat. He was just really cool. Uh, he, was, he was Morris. And uh, we, bought his, we bought his cat food. He was a great product endorser. Probably the best animal, uh, I would say, up there, um, if you're going to compile such a list, uh, of animal uh, commercial characters. And I bet if I Googled Morris the cat, it would come up uh, Morris the cat, you know, probably right after I do Morris and I do the, I type the, the word the in, uh, they're gonna, it's gonna know um, what, where you wanna go. Google's gonna know that you wanna check out some information, Wikipedia or otherwise, about Morris, the orange kitty with the M on his forehead. And uh, he, he was great, uh, nine lives, put nine lives cat food on the, you know, it must have been a thing, in, like you picture like a Darren Stevens situation going in and trying to sell nine lives, try to bring up. There was always the chart in the sales meeting, and it still is today, of course, of sales. And you see that, you know, famous chart uh, showing the jagged lines and, Usually when clients hire you, um, they need you. Uh, there are times where they want to develop a, um, an advertising uh, focus and they kind of go into it nebulously, but those are fewer. It's usually based on need. Um, and so when you need, when Nine Lives needed to get increased market share, um, you know, uh, Purina, was the is is the king of cat food, of course, but back then you would have been competing with a lot of other brands uh, that would be more known. Friskies was probably more established uh, then. Um, I think Friskies came before Nine Lives. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it may not have. In, in any event, uh, sales. Uh, Ad, ad agencies are hired because they're needed uh, sometimes for a, a real dire situation that the companies just sort of you know let get bad which happened back then because you had uh, big food companies starting to buy up these brands uh, you know Procter and Gamble the big giant um, and they buy just about everything and other big players uh, in the food industry um, and it's, some say it's for better or it, some say it's certainly for worse, but nonetheless, that's the business situation out there. And the way it affected Morris the cat was he couldn't have cared anything less. He couldn't have cared about the photo shoots he went through. He was a kitty cat. He just went through what they did. He cooperated. He was compliant. So they're compliant this morning. Um, that's my report. And then I make the coffee, you know, and that's sort of the sum, simulation of my, uh, my whole way it goes in the morning, you know. Um, and they, they are, um, 
I, I think they're, they're content. It's hard to tell. Um, but they make these decisions as I started out. And the decision was to wake me up, get me out of bed, I want to eat, um, and fill my bowl at the top of the basement steps uh, where there's a wider step at the beginning there, like a little landing so they have room to eat. It's actually a pretty good spot. Uh, I got to crouch over lower to pour the food, but that's not a problem. Um, and they have it. It's a good spot. It's out of the way, yet I can see it. I can fill it when I need to refill it or change the water. If I think it looks like it's, I try not to let it get that bad. Uh, I'm gonna change it probably tomorrow. Um, I'll try to, uh, no, not tomorrow, I'll be away the following day. Or maybe I'll even do it today because of that. Um, so, and then, you know, I, I finally uh, got my windows clean um, and I've got, uh, to it's, uh, I clean my windows, but I missed the, one of the panels, one of the sides of the glass, my main, in my center window here in the living room. And I noticed it this morning with the light on it. I said, wow, I thought I did that, but I took it out. I tilted the window in, um, and I, uh, got that whole glass and everything looks really good. It's nice to look out those windows, you know. Uh, it wasn't too terrible, but there were, there was, you know, there was um, a film and it was, there was some dirt mostly on the outside, but some on the inside from the cats. Uh, but they're pretty good. They're pretty good, actually. Um, and I also uh, did some spring cleaning yesterday. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, fall cleaning. And... Um, I just uh, did a little bit of vacuuming. Uh, I vacuumed the ceiling fan in both the bedroom and the living room. And um, I vacuumed the rug. I vacuumed the floor. Uh, I vacuumed under the, under the dining room table where dust bunnies accumulate for some reason. Um, I, I uh, did about that much and then uh, started focusing on the glass that I told you about, the windows, and then my um, glass trays I have on my kind of Victorian um, era um, uh, 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 coffee table. And um, I also have a glass of water right now, which I'm going to take a sip of. Oh, that's good. And right now, um, everything's pretty quiet in the house. Um, I reflect daily on um, my gratitude uh, for God giving me another day and and what a beautiful day it is today as I look through my clean windows. Um, and uh, Windex, you know, Windex, I, I gotta say, it's like probably the best glass product because it gives you time to work. It doesn't dry right away. Um, I used to like the foam sprays. Uh, they work good, actually. In some ways, they might be better, but the, the, the old Windex, the blue liquid that you spray out of a plastic bottle, 
that's the way to go with window cleaning. Uh, it really made it really easy. And it cuts through. It doesn't fuck around, you know. Um, it cut through the cat uh, little putridities that they tend to deposit on um, glass surfaces. Uh, and uh, that is easily cleaned up. And I, didn't, I actually didn't go through so many paper towels as I thought I would, which is a good thing. Um, so, uh, and I got my pumpkins back up from, which you know from the previous segment. Um, the pumpkins are back up with string ties, with, with ties, uh, plastic bag ties that I had in my drawer in my kitchen. Um, I tied them up and they won't be falling uh, like I had the problems with the tape. I tried two different transparent tapes, one frosty and one clear, and they neither of them could hold the relatively lightweight. Um, I thought that they were lightweight, but, you know, I guess there is a lot of weight. But it's a string of nine pumpkins. It's a ten-string, it's a ten-pumpkin set. But this is um, a fair family, uh, recent generation, my dad's generation, he bought them heirloom. And um, I'm honored to have them gracing my living room windows. Um, and then I, but I'm missing one pumpkin. And it'd be cool to find that pumpkin. You know, where, where did that pumpkin go? Is it in a pumpkin patch somewhere? You know, is it one of those, it's one of those two inch or so wide diameter plastic made in Japan kind of thing uh, from circa 70. 1970, and they're um, in pristine condition. There's one that's cracked, I noticed yesterday, and there's also one that also has some, uh, a little dent in it, but it's not very noticeable. Um, and they're strung by mini, mini lights, probably one of the first uses of mini lights were in these because the mini lights were really a 1970s thing, um, the tail end of 60. Uh, of the 60s, maybe, uh, mini lights, uh, like Christmas lights, the mini lights uh, that we know um, today. Uh, and so it's kind of cool, and it's, uh, it's green-wired. It's really pretty cool decoration. Um, and I've got some other little pumpkin decorations here and there. And um, I'm going to have to get the chocolate a couple days before Halloween, um, maybe the day of, which I've been known to do, um, and, and the, the candy, the candy, you know, for the kids. Uh, and like when I, today, with the weather the way it is, uh, clear blue sky, um, sunny, um, on my front tree, which is just starting to kind of turn, um, it's really kind of cool. I like the fact that um, my cats work with me when I'm doing these projects. I was nervous yesterday when I tilted the windows in that he was going to get out, which he's known to definitely do and has done before. Um, fast. I can't really even catch him. Uh, he, didn't even, he didn't even come near me. Uh, well, with all the racket, um, I, I wasn't making a big racket, but it did was some noise that you know keeps cats at bay so he just checked me out so uh, he was a really good boy yesterday 
and she made herself scarce when I took out the vacuum. Um, she didn't like that at all, and then he didn't like it. He was okay with the beginning, uh, but then he didn't like it when I started it up. So they both really hate the vacuum cleaner. It's probably the most despised appliance that I have that the cats just loathe. And uh, she just makes herself totally scarce. Um, and, uh, but I did vacuum. Uh, I tried to get a good session in so I wouldn't have to take it out again because I'm lazy and I don't vacuum often. Um, this is sort of a big deal for me, believe it or not. Um, so my fan is free of, of dust. Uh, the windows are clean and my carpet is, my carpet, my living room carpet is vacuumed. So that's when they, uh, when they can come back out and it took her a really, I was actually concerned last night. She wasn't coming out. I knew she was somewhere, but you still worry. I thought maybe she got out uh, when I had the windows open, but she, I didn't see her. So I pretty f felt pretty confident she was in the house. Um, and she finally did come up. Yeah, and uh, she finally did come up. I don't know what time it was, but it was after sort of almost dark, I think. Um, and um, she was fine, everything's great. Uh, no problem, no problem really whatsoever there, but they do continue to make their little decisions. They, you know, it's kind of cute. You can almost see their little heads working when they make these really kind of like important decisions, you know, um, to wake me up. Um, he had to get up and decide. He had to decide first, then get up and do it. And then girl making her decision to... to uh, wait, she woke wake up on the table lately on the dining room table overnight. She sleeps there, um, and uh, she wake up and see me, but then go back to sleep. That's her decision. So these are all decisions. They, every everybody, everything. Ants have decisions. They have to make decisions, right? When you think about it, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, that's our drive. That's our drive for survival. Is a series of decision making constant decision making can you imagine the uh, neanderthal man our our ancestor uh and the decisions that he had to make for survival uh we make decisions for our survival on the scale of how bad is my morning commute going to be is it going to add to my stress level my overall stress level my blood pressure um i i should wear a Fitbit, but I'm too cheap to buy one. Why am I so cheap? How come I don't have any money? How come I haven't gotten anywhere in my job? You know, those kind of things that drive our decision-making. I, I made the wrong choices. I made the best choices. I made the wrong, I made wrong choices, and I made uh, good choices. Uh, and that's life. And some people can't expect it, can't accept that they made bad choices. Some people can't accept that they made good choices. They regret what we would look up from the outside looking at, looking in, uh, were good choices, certainly, um, for all parties involved, 
good choices usually spills over. You know, um, what's that thing from the 90s? Um, you carry it forward. You know, you carry it forward. Um, it's a pretty good concept. Pretty good concept. Um, so you, you have joy of life. You experience joy of life here and there, maybe. And, you know, maybe you don't um, at all during the day. Everybody's different. Our mindsets are different. I've been there where I don't, but now I do appreciate. And getting back to what I mentioned earlier about appreciating, um, I do appreciate uh, a beautiful day. I do appreciate a cloudy day. I do appreciate it more. Uh, I used to curse Mondays with that were rainy. It was like the worst day, and it's still not that great of a day. It might still be the worst day. But is there really a worse day, you know, um, where we wake up every morning, you know, for a new opportunity? New opportunities can come in the middle of a, of a dreary, cold February morning, you know, in the meeting room. Opportunities can come for you to shine as an individual and as a contributor, as a collaborator, as someone who's constructing and, and not destructing. So... Um, you know, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting way to uh, sort of frame your day, because uh, we're coming into Thanksgiving, of course, and we've got a lot to be grateful for. Um, you know, that we live in a country where we can buy candy at a reasonable price, although, of course, it's very expensive chocolate. Um, and candy, and chocolate in particular, but candy in general. Uh, the petty candy is long, long, long gone. Uh, <laughs> certainly. Um, but the grace of God and gratefulness and appreciation we have, then um, that we're blessed with family, friends, of course, um, opportunities to see beauty in everyday uh, rather um, uh, just simple things simple simple ways try to simplify uh, we do uh, we do want to always simplify we make our decisions to simplify our situation to have it come to as close clean of it and with no harm to either party but especially not to me as a cat would think. Um, just survival instincts for millions of years of evolution that we've had, that we've all enjoyed. Um, and we don't know what the Neanderthal did, but we know a lot about him. Um, we have the, the brain getting bigger um, and the, the, the skull sort of cleaning up and shedding off the bone, uh, the Neanderthal bulk of bone um, and the whole way that that had, has been the subtle changes that we sort of definitely notice but are just not sort of, they, they have to do with, it's kind of cool. It, it has to do with our refinement and our ever improving uh, through responses, through drive, through fight or flight um, 
that we had back then, uh, prehistoric times, uh, certainly, and um, the 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 whole uh, you know the the caveman not necessarily living in a cave, right? Take him out of that context. Um, I always liked that movie, 2001, where they threw up the bones. I think it's one of the most realistic ape scenes, uh, especially in a film from 1968, right? Uh, uh, and it's sort of like Stanley Kubrick, really his masterpiece movie, of course, um, his showpiece, but uh, definitely rightly so. When that movie came out, um, it broke back office records. I mean, it was the biggest thing until Jaws came along a few years later, um, along with maybe some other big movies. Uh, you know, after 65 and 66, the musical, you know, uh, it's the South Pacific to the sound of music, the sound of music being one of the last real, well, it's the last musical, uh, traditional musical, movie musical, uh, uh, to win all the Academy Awards and have all the publicity and popular culture aspects of it. Um, it's still called a blockbuster today, uh, easily. Um, it's up there. I don't know what, what it's come down on the list, of course. Um, but if you adjust for today's dollars, um, you would have a sort of equalization going on. It'd be pretty impressive. Uh, because quality cream rises to the top. And I found that the, if you do look at all those major movies that came out and adjust for, you know, pick any time period, adjust the dollars, and you're going to see that these, these, these older movies really um, held their own as far as um, their overall economic um, uh, value uh, to society, to the economy. Um, that's what makes Hollywood a, a really large industry, uh, when you think about it. Um, thousands and thousands of people, uh, mostly in, living in California, um, but a good chunk of that population, actually, if you think about it. Um, <clears throat> And when you see strikes happening like they did played out this summer, um, and I don't watch a lot of TV, I don't really watch a lot of popular streaming things either, but I get the sense uh, from what I read and news I gather that um, it's, it's, it's not the Hollywood of the 30s. It's not the Hollywood of the 50s. It's not the Hollywood of the 70s. It's not the Hollywood of the early 2000s. So many things have changed since, since those time periods, uh, all notable in their own way. I mentioned those actual specific years for a reason. Uh, by the time, for instance, um, in music, by the time uh, analog switched to digital, which happened probably in 82, early 80s, um, you had a change in, in the, uh, t t uh, t I can't say the word ever properly, uh, Tom Timber, Timber, the, the Timber, T-I-M-B-R-E, uh, the Timber, uh, 
was changed on us. And we, a lot of us just went about our day, right? We, we, it wasn't the end of the world. The, the analog to digital conversion happened gradually. Uh, we went off vinyl records. We went on to CDs. Yeah, we went from vinyl LPs, which gave us about, uh, at their best, maybe uh, 40 minutes of music, uh, to CDs, which could have three hours of music. Um, and, and rock still stayed with their albums being released on a CD that was still only about 40 minutes. But they may have added bonus content. Um, and they typically did, and it was a de rigueur in the industry to add bonus content. You had to. You had to give, you had to give about two hours of product on a CD, see, um, to make it viable to buy, because they were all priced at sort of affordable, but at the time, still an expense. I remember buying CDs and being, having to be really selective, you know? I, I needed a classical genre. Should I buy the Beethoven set? Or should I buy uh, Mozart um, on generic labels, which are cheaper? And I ended up going that route, even though I would have to buy a Noxos release, let's say, of, uh, of a Beethoven reading from 1994, uh, pick any great conductor and any great orchestra. Um, so it was the box set. It was the big ticket purchase, um, definitely in those days. It definitely made a difference, even up until the turn of the two, millennial of 2000. The money was really kind of like key, and you got more what you paid for, obviously, at the beginning, but they got better. Uh, the design got good for smaller format. The, the, the designers were all top, and they, they, they right out of the gate, they knew how to format for, uh, of course they did. That's what graphic designers do format liner notebooks. They became elaborate productions in their own right. Um, you know, think of like Sting, uh, the, the, uh, his albums his, with his lyrics, how beautifully they're presented in, in his, on his recordings, his, his label, whatever label he's on. Um, uh, the, uh, and that was driven by previous rock bands that uh, that uh, that's focused on the visual. So think of David Byrne and the Talking Heads with their albums that he was very much a part of working with the design studio. Um, and they put together really inventive, fun, creative albums. Um, so think Speaking in Tongues, the cover for that one, for instance. That always got me. And I think it's my favorite, it is my favorite album of theirs. Um, there are other great Talking, Head al Talking Heads albums, but that one's my favorite, um, I think, really pretty much solidly uh, speaking in tongues. And it's really a very cool cover. And it's David Byrne. Only through the eye of David Byrne can you get that. That's what's sort of an Andy Warhol-ish um, approach. I never looked at David Byrne as another, as, as rock, rock and rocks, um, answer to Andy Warhol, but he really was, he came off as a renaissance man, but he came off as an everyman, too. Um, you know, and then, you know, you think of the great concert film that some are lauding as maybe the greatest concert film ever made, um, which is a pretty lofty achievement. I don't know if you could ever even really say that, but 
it was, it is up there, and it's uh, make, Stop Making Sense from Jonathan Demme, 1984. Um, it's just a great presentation. The, the whole thing is impeccable. The sound quality will blow you away. Uh, the remake that's out this fall, um, I'd love to see it on the big screen. Um, I've made entreaties to do that to certain people. Um, so I want to see it again. I will have no problem seeing it again. I've seen it recently, which tells you that I do check up on it because it's important, but it's also fun. It's really an enjoyable movie. It's not hoity-toity. They, they totally disregard that. They eschew the sort of artsy, fartsy, uh, Upper East Side, up the Lower West Side, um, you know, um, Wickenden Street folk here in lo in locally in Providence, that group, the Greenwich Village group, you know, the ones that always want to go to see a Dada, yet at the same time they'll go see a horror movie at night because they're kind of eclectic characters and interesting people to be friends with, I would imagine. You know, think of it, a Woody Allen movie. Um, people are doing, you know, cool things all the time. And um, people, because people try to do things that are cool all the time. Um, there's times when you're on the set and you're an actor um, on a television show from, from way back um, and you have to do something. So what do you do? And there's a kid in the show. He's, a, he's an actor and he's, he goes on to be a great director so you mightn't even know what I'm talking about. And he, and I've seen these outtake films. They're not outtakes where they make mistakes and swear. They weren't really there in the 60s. 60s were still buttoned up uh, kind of cool, mysterious. They didn't give away their, they didn't um, break character, even in media. They stayed right to their, there was never a big contrast made from a certain actor, how he lived with his loving family, and how he was such a fatherly to his own children. And that was always awesome to see. You know, think of the big Life magazine interviews back then on the large format uh, Life magazine, um, a cultural institution back then. Um, and you get the whole idea. So on the set, you're waiting for the set, for the next set to get set up. And it takes forever, uh, as it does. Um, and... Um, you're waiting, but you, you toss the ball, you toss the ball around, you, you bat a ball, you catch a ball. You bring your glove, uh, and, and the, the kid actor brings his glove. Um, and the other actors that are waiting patiently, but they're professionals and they know they're getting paid to get to wait for the next set so they can do their, their scene, which takes very much time in their eyes, of course, but in the whole scheme of things, I can imagine it might be only maybe, I don't know, uh, I want to give it a little bit more time credit. I would say the actual scene and dialogue access, even including bloopers, so interactions on, on camera, the on-camera time uh, versus set build-up time, including everything um, from scratch, uh, from the two-by-fours to the set. 
uh, well, at least let's just say setting up a set, um, pretty elaborate set pieces that they could always go back to. They could draw the curtain and it was usually ready, but they always had to change things and they had to make sure it was perfect. And the blocking was important. The actors probably came in and blocked their scenes on the set, of course. And the lights were determined. The lighting was determined. Uh, the takes were already pre-known in the script, of course, but they were the angles of the camera setups had to be changed. Um, I would I would imagine when I watch these, they look like they're two motion picture camera setups for the most part on these old shows. Um, and I'm sure they have adopted that uh, and carried it out to this day and that might not ever change um, as long as we have that ways of recording you know um, but Hollywood is still people I guess is what I'm trying to say Hollywood is still made up of people aside from all the fancy set pieces from Cleopatra to uh, any movie pick any movie um, uh, you got you got such care and professionalism going into everything. It's all meant for a reason. The director drives it, but the, so does the cinematographer because he has to run it by the director. Nothing gets shot without the director's approval, of course. The director looks at the camera or he looks at a display off camera, uh, behind the camera, and he knows exactly. He can go up to the actors, he can interact. They can do it all 4K stream. There's no more clipboard. There is at the beginning, maybe, and at intervals, of course. Uh, the, 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 um, yeah, the, the, the updated, uh, totally updated um, uh, way of uh, signaling in the new scene. You, you need to flag it, so you need to have the clapper. And the clapper is before they had the clapper where your lights go on. Um, and, uh, you know, the, that, that, that selfless, that not selfless, but that, um, unbashful, uh, clapper product from the eighties or nineties. Um, and this is a clapper for Hollywood uses it. It's symbolic. Um, and it separates the scenes it's needed. Um, it's bureaucracy playing in, but not to even get into that. The actors um, on these bloopers, you notice, are struggling with their lines, which shows you certainly that acting is a, is a hard job, you know. People think acting's easy, and I've never acted really. I acted in school plays and such. I got the feeling for it. It was enjoyable. I, I got the rush from it. I definitely got the rush from it, no doubt about it, um, in our seventh grade production uh, that we did in the church hall, <laughs> you know, um, before admiring fellow classmates and teachers, uh, more or less. And um, I didn't really mess up my, my lines. I didn't have a lot of lines in my role, um, but I immersed the whole theater aspect um, without probably even realizing it, or maybe realizing it, but that doesn't even really matter. Um, I put cornstarch on. I was the first one in the church hall auditorium uh, to, I was on stage. I had my um, Argo or whatever brand it was, cornstarch um, in, a, in a box. And I just poured it out 
quite a bit on my hand and I put it in my, I needed to look gray haired and I had a lot of hair back then. And I, and it was a pretty successful thing. I went into the bathroom to check my hair and it looked dry, but it looked perfectly fine. Um, I tried to enhance the production. My brother Pierre helped me, my younger brother, a year, uh, one year behind me, helped me with, with the set um, and we added to it. Um, we found an old wood window that none of the brat that it had both sashes and frame, I think, and none of the glass was broke. We used that as a backdrop uh, window to the interior scenes. So we and we added other in, embellishments: a table here, a chair there. I was getting my idea of spatial figuration out, f stage set up out that way, and it was kind of a cool way to do it. It, was, it seemed efficient, and the cool thing was I knew what I wanted to see right away with what we had. Um, I've always been a resourceful kind of person. Um, I do. I, I think I am fairly resourceful. I can actually pretty much confidently say that. Um, so that's a good thing. So um, these are resourceful, professional uh, people that work in this industry. So while, while the... While the the, the the crowd, the, the talented staff that are working to get the set ready, the camera angle ready to go for the first scene, and then um, before you're called back, before the um, uh, siren or whatever signal they have to get back to the set, uh, and 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 perform. Um, and have bloopers along the way because acting's a hard job um, uh, to remember all your lines. I think you can remember clumps of lines pretty good, but it's amazing how these actors do remember their lines. Um, but to see all the sweat equity go into these programs, um, including the waiting for these people, uh, not just the director, not just the, well, the director has to wait, doesn't he? Um, it's all got to get done. Um, these are physical big things that sometimes have to get built. Sometimes they're really simple. Sometimes it's just a doorway entry. Um, a lot of times they, they use a different entry. They use probably an indoor set to get the lighting right on some of these older TV shows, comedies even. Um, they have built an entire different set um, because they need to make sure that they're close up um, is going to be uh, have a little more detail in it than the long shot, interestingly enough. And they're willing to go through all that work to do it, and they have to go through all that work to do it, because why? They need to entertain the American public. They need to entertain the world, but they need to really entertain the American public. And it's still a focus of the networks and the streaming companies now, streaming services, certainly, to focus on what everybody wants, of course. That has to be. Um, you've got to have something that people want to watch. So the, the acting, um, the bantering, the um, uh, tossing of a Frisbee maybe, uh, the today going on your cell phone, the downtime of Hollywood. And it's about, it's about three quarters of, of the time, I would imagine, from my layman point of view. Uh, from where I sit, from what I see, um, I've seen the work that 
goes into these shows be through the bloopers, interestingly enough. Because the bloopers, you see all the frustrations of these actors, and when you see the final product and you've watched it and you know what these all these scenes are, um, and you you know how really well done it came all together, is you know that they knew that they were doing that all together. I'm on this track today because it's part of our decision making, but I didn't even want to go there. This originally just really purely started off with him waking me up in the morning, um, and and get. I need to get up to get food. It's his first decision of the day. Immediately, the second he opens his eyes, he's thinking of eating and thinking of going to get me and then to get up. He knows I'm going to get up pretty soon um, to get his food and her, her drink and her food. And they have their decision-making that continue on through the day, um, some more important than others, um, but they're, they're constant little decision-making animals, and we all make decisions, and uh, we make them good or bad because we don't know. We don't know what's going to work out, right? We, we want to... We, the world stays working because we're all trying to make the right decisions. Most of us are trying to make the right decisions as we go through the day, each day. Um that we're given. Um, it's another opportunity, as I started out before.